This seminar, entitled Living in the Now and Not Yet of Church Planting, was recorded at the 2019 Pioneer Conference in Malaga. The speakers are Pete and Sarah Benton. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for coming today to hear us. The title we were given for the seminar is Now and Not Yet of Church Planting, Maintaining Faith in the Day of Small Things. And uh, so we're just going to really, I'm going to share a backbone of the story of Joseph to use that to help us think about faith and faithfulness. Um, the now not yet is a great title, but this, the phrase has been taken from a kingdom theology um, of, of when God's kingdom comes, but obviously fully comes when Jesus returns. And so in the, in the life of church planting, I felt it might be easy for us to think about faith and faithfulness. So we're going to use the story of Joseph to help us, and then we're going to share some of our story. Uh, some of you have seen already, we've got a newborn baby, um, Johanna, and who's currently asleep. Well, I'm supposed to be, but that's why she's <laughs> nice to me. We were asked to do the seminar together, but um, my amazing wife obviously has been looking after our little baby, so I've prepared the majority of it. Ask Sarah just to feel free to chip in at any moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Sarah, we'll, we'll do that. I think with such a small group, uh, we were thinking of doing Q&A at the end. Yeah. Um, but I think as, as we go, uh, there may well be questions on the go. And so if it feels like I'm kind of coming to <laughs> the end of a point, um, you know, maybe I'll break or you could raise your hand or something like that and um, if there's anything else that we could share maybe from our story then we'd love to do that. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Good stuff. So you'll know some of you that um, the story of Joseph comes from Genesis chapter 33 to 39. Uh, we've got this incredible uh, story of a guy who had 13 siblings who had some big dreams but then was sold into slavery his brothers and had this long stretch of 13 years in slavery before he then rose to power in Egypt and effectively became president of the whole nation. And uh, there's a great summary. Uh, Stephen, when he's being martyred in Acts chapter 7, he uh, is is, uh, speaking to the religious leaders of the day about how they have been rejecting Jesus. And he uses uh, some Old Testament stories to illustrate this point about how Israel has rejected God. And uh, one of those leaders that Stephen uses as part of his illustration is the story of Joseph. And in verse 9 to 11 in Acts 7, almost as a bit of a summary for us, really, of the big story of Joseph, let me read these verses to you. It says, The patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions, and gave him favour and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. And so Joseph had these big dreams of, uh, of the dreams were of his brothers actually, uh, him effectively leading the family business, then bowing down to him. But actually God has bigger dreams for him, and he ends up leading the whole nation, becoming a really significant leader. But it doesn't happen for quite some time. He goes through many years where actually he needs to lean into God and and be reminded that God was with him in those dark times, in those times of things not yet happening. And so we're going to use this story to help us. Firstly, I'm going to just talk a bit about the the not yet aspect, the faith, the big dreams that God's calling us to have and you to have in your situations. Then we'll reflect a little bit on the the faithfulness of God and... and, um, and needing to dig deeper into God. And then we'll just share some points 
some from the story of Joseph, but also our own, kind of jumping between faith and faithfulness, and just a bit more kind of random. So firstly, uh, I guess my first point, along with faith and dreaming big, is that, dream big, dream big. So my question for you right at the outset are, what are your dreams? What are the dreams and visions that God has put in your heart, in your pioneering context, in your church planting context? What are the big dreams that God has given you? Joseph was a man of faith. He was a big picture guy. He was a guy that was gifted and called to leadership. He shared some very confident, faith-filled dreams with his brothers. That ended up getting him in trouble. But he had some big dreams. Uh, before I started working for the church, I worked for a few years as a landscape gardener. We would make gardens. And uh, my boss was an amazing man of God, um, and he was very diligent at his job. And before we looked at turning an old, just wasteland of a garden into a beautiful landscaped garden, he would draw out plans. He would do detailed architectural drawings of exactly how we were going to transform the garden and what it is that we needed to do. He would measure it all out before we started the job and he would then write out all the measurements, all the details on the plan. He would then bring us this plan and we would go to work. And he had a plan of how we would turn this round. And I think Joseph, part of his dreams was almost having a plan. What is it that God has given you faith for in your situation? A couple of things then just about Joseph that I've already mentioned. But firstly, Joseph was clearly a leader. In Genesis 37, verses 2 to 3, we see that Joseph took responsibility and showed leadership from a young age. He actually dogged his brothers in a little bit. But it says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So he told his brothers, effectively. But what he was doing is he was showing leadership in within his family. He was initiating, he was dreaming, he was leading. And you, you guys will know the story that goes on to say about how Israel loved Joseph so much, uh, more than any of the other sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe with many colours. This phrase here, son of his old age, when you read that, first and foremost, you might think, well, does that mean he was born last? Well, we know he wasn't, because Benjamin was the youngest. This phrase that Jacob used was something of honouring. It was the favoured son. It was recognising leadership on Joseph and that he was the favoured son. Joseph was called to lead. He was a leader. Joseph was also a dreamer. Joseph the leader. Joseph the dreamer. Joseph had dreams. As I've asked you already, what are your dreams and visions? I wonder whether, actually, part of this story, I mean, uh, for those of you who know the story, there's an overarching theme with the story of Joseph that is about the sovereignty of God. God had a sovereign plan for the life of Joseph. But I wonder within that whether, actually, Joseph's dreams were too small. He was dreaming about his family business, whereas God had a dream about Joseph. Eventually, he was to be the ruler of the whole nation. So I guess my question to you also is not just what are your dreams, but are your dreams too small for what God wants to do in and through you? Uh, when we were preparing for the, the Berlin church plant, I, I made a point of reading uh, different church planting books, and I stumbled across a German church planter. And I came across this book uh, written by a guy called Dietrich Schindler, which has to be the most German name you've, you've heard. <laughs> he wrote a book called The Jesus Model, 
a book on church planting, and I, I absolutely loved it. I found it so helpful about the German context, but just great principles for church planting in general. I thought, you know what, I want to get some time with this guy. I'll, I'll email him, ask him, even if I can just have a Skype call to ask more questions about church planting in Germany so that I can learn. He emailed straight back saying, well, you won't believe it, I'm in Berlin this weekend. Do you want to come and meet me for lunch? And so we did. We went and met this, yes. this guy, Dietrich Schindler, for lunch straight away. And he, uh, he shared his story with us about um, his church planting adventures. And he shared with us about how God had given him a dream. God had given him a dream and a vision and a little statement that he would use. And his statement was this, five to grow before I go. God had spoken to him, five church plants to grow before I go to be with the Lord. That was the vision, the dream God had given him. And it just so happened that actually he had planted five churches that were growing and he hadn't gone yet. Yeah. And so God is actually using him now to, to teach and influence, but he's also helping start yet another church in Frankfurt as well. Yeah. Uh, some of you would have heard of the Global Leadership Summit. It's a great kind of equipping leadership training thing that's done. And we went to it a few years ago and heard a, a great apostolic leader, a guy called Jossie Chaco, um, speak. He was a really influential guy uh, leading a church movement. And his goal is to see 100,000, he calls them communities, transformed by 2030 yeah. uh, through the planting of local churches. Oh. He talked about the faithfulness in needing to multiply. This is what he said. He says, our legacy will determine what we have done with our lives. Enlarge your vision. List your dreams and visions. Uh, it turns out that Jossie and his team are on track for their goal. Uh, when, this was back in um, 2016. It says, him and his team are on track for their goal, averaging 11 church plants per day during 2015. Training programs and putting existing leaders into homes and leading places. These are big dreams, aren't they? These are big visions. These are big impacts. Mm. I felt God challenge me in and through these two guys and say to me, Pete, are your dreams big enough mm. for what I want to do in and through you guys in the city of Berlin? Mm. That's the question. Are our dreams big enough? Bible Dictionary, when it talks about faith, says this, Scripture seems to regard faith as a stepping forward, not into darkness, but into the light which God has given. Joseph saw a light and was very ready to step into it, or so he thought. Mm. He had these dreams, he was ready to step into it, or was he? So first point is dream big, have faith, write down your dreams and your visions, keep bringing them back before God. Mm. Second point about the life of Joseph, and we'll jump back and forth between these we share with our story in a bit is faithfulness and digging deep. Yeah. Faithfulness and digging deep. I shared with you about how I worked as a landscape gardener before I worked for the church. Part of these drawings and these plans, these dreams and visions that we had of transforming gardens, they were beautiful and we ended up with some amazing creations. But um, there was a lot of digging work involved. Mm -hmm. When you go to an old, dirty wasteland, you have to dig out all the old rubble and you have to clear the ground. Well, as a church planting team, uh, there's another couple that, that moved out with us initially to start the church. And uh, their apartment that they're renting is opposite a big building site. And God has been using this image of a big building site to really help us in our preparation 
towards the starting of a church. And uh, this big building site has only just started now, after a year and a half, doing some construction. And so as we've been praying together for Berlin, for salvation, for the church plant, we've had a whole year and a half of groundworks and preparation. And it's been such a helpful imagery for us in our preparation to think, what are the groundworks that are going on? Just watching them week after week, pulling out the rubble, the metal, the rubbish, getting these things out. As a landscaper, as a kind of um, proud, in English we'd say, <laughs> cocky, overconfident, 18-year-old, uh, 19-year-old, we'd come across this big root in the ground, and I'd say to my boss, can't we just put the concrete over the top of the root? Surely, we, you know, it's going to be really hard to get it out. And he would say, no way, get and dig that root out. Yeah. And we'd have to dig down really, really deep. And sometimes these roots are really far down. Sometimes it would involve costing more on the project, time and resources to get this thing out. But he wasn't going to cut corners. Because yes. he knew as a landscaper, if I built foundations on this dodgy ground, that eventually the patio would pop. Mm. And that actually this wouldn't be a good resource to my customers. Yes. So you have to dig down and you have to pull out those roots no matter how long it takes you and whatever the cost is. And seeing this building site week after week, God would just continuously, and still is now in this season, speak to us in our hearts about the importance of groundworks, mm. the importance of faithfulness, the importance of preparation. And Joseph wasn't quite aware of it. <coughs> he had these exciting big dreams about what he was gonna do with his family and his family business. And then all of a sudden, his own brothers betray him. His own brothers sell him into slavery, wishing his life dead. In fact, they were going to kill him. One of his brothers stood up for him, and they sold him into slavery. How must that have felt for him? So I guess for us, in our pioneering situations, when we think about groundworks, when we think about preparing the ground, there's a couple of places that we're thinking of here. Firstly, it's your own heart. It's your own personal call. Is there things in your life? Is there anything that needs pulling out of your character, of who you are, of what it is God's called you to do? Secondly, the leadership call on your life. What kind of building or construction or garden or church is it that God's calling us to build? And what do we want at the roots of this thing? What do we want the foundations to look like? What kind of culture are we wanting to build here? What are the foundations is that God's calling us to build? There's a huge lesson here about faithfulness and perseverance, looking at the life of Joseph. We've read already from the verse in Acts 7, where it talks about God being with him, God being with Joseph. There's lessons here of perseverance when we're pioneering and trusting God. And it kind of came through beautifully, actually, in that last session, as Liz brought that word, about how sometimes we can feel isolated and homesick and by ourselves. <laughs> 13 years? Wow. 13 years away from his family. There must have been moments of isolation and wanting to be home. Genesis 39, 2-5, the Lord was with Joseph. Genesis 39, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. Showed him his commitment to him. Having been betrayed by his brothers, it's funny, we kind of often quote the 13 years and think, man, that's just so long. Imagine even the first 24 hours. Uh, I had a bit of a kind of rough teenage year patch and I was turning away from God and rebelling from my parents. But I never got, um, I never got so bad 
that I was sent to prison or anything like that. And I've got mates who have done, friends who have done a night in prison, and they say it's just the worst thing ever, to have 24 hours in a cell. And here's Joseph on his first night, 24 hours alone in a dark pit, by himself, not knowing if I'm going to survive the next day, feeling totally alone. But God was with him. Whether it was that first 24 hours, or 13 years later, having been sold into slavery, there seems to be this emphasis in the story that Joseph hung on to the steadfast love of God. He hung on to the faithfulness of God. God has given me these dreams. God is with me. The steadfast love of the Lord is with me. He is going to be with me every step of the journey. How does your heart react in that waiting process? In that season of preparation and groundworks? How are you dealing with the not yet of church planting? How are you dealing with the fact that I've got this dream of going to this place, but it just seems so far away? You have these dreams of what God might do in the city you're in, but it's just nowhere near the dreams that you have. Or, you know, you're telling me to dream big, Pete. I haven't even seen the original dream yet, let alone the big dream. How are our hearts doing in those moments? The uh, imagery of a building site has come back to us time and time again as a church planting team. Another imagery that God has used to speak to us and encourage us is also the river of God. Ezekiel 47, Revelation, the river flows from the throne room of God. And where the river goes, life comes. Fish, trees, fruit. And we've just found this such an encouragement. God, we want your river to flow in and through us and in this city. Uh, we had a, a couple of nights away together as a couple uh, in, a, in a town near to Berlin. And I was just kind of praying and enjoying, reflecting one morning along uh, next to a river. Uh, that actually is just down the road from Berlin and just kind of dreaming, God, what river do you want to pour out in the city? What fruit do you want to... God, what are the big things you want to do in Berlin? All of a sudden, I saw this huge tugboat, this big, um, huge boat with lots of rubbish inside the boat, lots of scrap of metal and old trees and rubbish. Go past me down the river. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) There's some more things you want to dig out. Yeah. the building site uh, yes you've given me dreams of what you want to do through the river but there's some more preparation and groundworks that you want to do yeah. so the faithfulness of God was with Joseph so just going to give you a few kind of snippets of ideas of our journey and our process of faith and faithfulness within the now and not yet of church planting and pioneering in our own story I guess just uh, reflecting on this faithfulness and sharing a bit of our uh, team journey uh, for, for a very I've carried a call for the nation since I got baptized at the age of 18 or 19 and I'm now 36 and we're in Berlin um, but that's that's been quite a long period of time it's been quite a lot of process and by no means do I feel like I was in a dungeon or in slavery but actually that's quite a long time of processing the call of God in your life even once we've gone through a long process of defining the call, eventually working out where we were going to go, it, it was then, um, yeah, it began a, a really long journey of actually praying that God would add a team to come and join us. And so uh, I was on staff at a church in East Grinstead in Sussex, and that's where I kind of uh, grew uh, as a disciple uh, and in my leadership, and I loved that church, and really it's where God defined the call in our lives 
Sarah came over from Germany to the UK and did a discipleship gap year with East Grinstead. I was effectively her boss leading the youth work. She was on my youth team, and uh, the rest is history. Um, <laughs> wouldn't let her it's return. It's still like that now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, God just uh, spoke to us about, about this whole journey of church planting together in, in Germany. Um, and so we went and did a year and a half, uh, kind of what we call a leadership church planting <laughs> internship at Redeemer International Church. And uh, when, when it was kind of decided that we were going to go to Berlin, we started just praying that God would have a team to us. You know, it took forever for a team to what? Well, it felt like it took forever yeah. for a team to form. Didn't take 13 years. It did not take 13 years. Actually, time and time again, this story of Joseph, God's used just to bring to the surface. And actually, he's faithful, and what he's ordered, he'll deliver. Yeah. He's called us into, he will provide for. And um, initially, it was us and one other family. And for about uh, three years, maybe plus, it was just us and one other family. Um, and um, and uh, I just kept coming back to God and saying, God, why is no one else wanting to join our team? Why does no one else get excited about this big dream that we have, this vision that we have? Um, and uh, even when we then went to The Hague, uh, it was still a long process. And that, and that was a really health, health, healthy time for me, relying on the faithfulness of God. Mm-hmm. Having been taken out of a leadership role yeah. and been put into a training context where I had no leadership responsibility. Mm-hmm. But I was just learning and trusting and seeking God and asking Him to be with us. Uh, and, and praying for a team and still no team coming. Um, we've now, as I shared the other night, God has just graciously moved. And I guess after that process of what's maybe been four or five years now, having decided uh, God's answered our prayers and that we've got a team of about um, 17, 18 adults and, and um, a handful of kids. And we're just about to have a church camp of 23 people. It's um, a real answer to prayer. But it's also been a moment of of learning and character building and relying on the faithfulness of God yeah. and, and perseverance as well. Do you want to add anything? Right, you talk about it. Am I good to start? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, don't know where you're up to in your notes. Um, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things there. Um, it's obviously very exciting listening to something like that and dreaming again, but I also wanted to quickly touch on the whole thing of processing disappointment well and how your emotions are and how your heart is, because I think that was for me the biggest thing in this whole journey. Keeping a soft heart with God was for me the hardest thing, actually. Um, And I think there's a really good quote by Jackie Pullinger, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet, and the problem is that so many have hard hearts and soft feet. And that really spoke to me um, at a time when I was really struggling. I was like, actually my heart is hardening inside towards the gospel, or sharing the gospel, not, not believing the gospel, but I was starting to be very resentful, and that was a word that I wanted to bring today and say, is there any resentment in your life towards church plan, towards what it's done, done to your life? Um, or dreams, or because God sees you holistically as a whole person, not just a church planter. Maybe you're a friend, or a brother, or a sister, or a mum, or a whatever, a dad. You know, you have all these hats on that you, you wear the whole time. Mm. But actually, God looks at you as that whole person, not just, I'm a church planter, I'm here a pioneer uh, as a church planter, and therefore God's going to speak to me about this. But He also sees your children, or your friends, or your home situation, or your parents being sick, or whatever you, you've mm. got going on in your life. And for me, um, <laughs> I think it was a few years ago and I went to um, Edinburgh, what was that? <coughs> it was also a relational mission and event. 
Yeah, like that Yeah. And Dave Holden was preaching. Um, it was like a leadership conference in Edinburgh. And he said, hope defers makes the heart sick. And I just was like, Phew! like it hit me afresh. I was like, yeah, I've had all these hopes and dreams because my profession is a vocal coach and a singer and I've toured a lot with, I don't know if you heard Lou Fellingham, she's a Christian artist, singer somewhere. So I've done like lots of things like that that I've loved and enjoyed and been on the road with musicians and it was so much fun and I set up my singing and dance academy in the south of England and it was going really well and I obviously already left Germany when I was 20, then came to the UK, started again, uh, studied, um, set up and I was like, are you joking, God? Like now we're going again. Like I've just given up all of that stuff. Obviously not just, but I, I spent like a whole decade in the UK, and I was loving life actually. And we fostered a teenager, and it was cool. Like it was like I liked my life, and I was like, oh great, now I've got to move again because I'm married to a church pastor. And it was like, <laughs> and I love church. Don't get me wrong, I love Jesus, and I love church, and I love serving in local church. But you're also different, and what that looks like for you. Um, can sometimes be difficult to process and I just wanted to give you today an opportunity to um, not to say it now but to kind of go away after the seminar and say to God look actually these two things or these three things I'm really disappointed about that they haven't happened or I found it really hard to have children whilst planting a church or I found it really difficult to give up my business because it was making money and it was doing well but God called me on so you give up a good thing for another good thing sometimes and I think what my heart is for you guys today is that you process disappointment well because what's scary is if we don't and we let resentment grow in us and it can affect our relationships our marriages there was a time in Holland where we were doing this internship where I plainly really was resenting Pete because I just was angry at him because I felt like, well, you're called to do this, and I know we're called, we're a couple, but I'm not enjoying life anymore. And it was, I'm just being honest here, like, it's not that we were going to get divorced or anything like that, but it was that kind of stuff of like, okay, I should talk about this stuff because I think it will help people to really be okay with putting the dirty stuff on the table and go, talk to someone we trust and, and then I processed that even with Peter I had to be honest with him and say do you know what I'm really resenting you right now because I feel like you've, I know you haven't done this to me because it's God's call in our life but this is how I'm feeling and it was really really important because that hope deferred first makes the heart sick God doesn't want you to get sick in that way and um, he wants to show you the plans in that and he has got plans in that but I think through resentment and holding on to resentment sometimes we can even not ask God to move through that because actually he can totally use that situation still move but you've limited him completely in that situation because you've gone I'm annoyed now or I'm hurt now and I think um, what really spoke to me in that time was um, Matthew 19 where Jesus talks to the disciples about how hard it is for rich people to get into the kingdom and at the end Matthew 19 verse 29 it says and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life mm. and I just felt so encouraged by that because God promises to not only bless me with eternal life when I die or he comes back but also now he wants to bless me and mm. he wants to be good to me and I almost didn't see any more good things because I was so angry at some of the things. Um, so this isn't to say like you need to all like, start to worry about me now and speak to David and say, I think Sarah's heart is not in the right place when <laughs> being in this church. But I do want to give an opportunity for you mm. to um, put stuff out there that you feel like you struggled with or that you've got hurt by. Um, so what needs to be pulled out and what painful conversations need to, do you need to have? Not to make you feel uncomfortable, but actually to 
see you set free mm-hmm. and then for God to see those maybe more than what you've dreamed of see, see it come to pass and I'm already seeing how God's doing that in my life now through opening some cool things up that I couldn't have orchestrated if I tried mm-hmm. but it's now not about the things anymore now it's mm-hmm. kind of out of a place of receiving freely okay cool I'm actually healed from some of that disappointment and there'll be some situations that will come up in the future I have to do that again so I think emotional health is so so mm-hmm. important as a church planter make sure you come first sometimes make sure you take a weekend out where you just have a retreat with Jesus or you go on that golfing trip or football game or spa day <laughs> or snowboarding trip for people whatever it is that you find rejuvenating get yourself in that place and get processing i just want to encourage you i hope yeah. that makes sense yeah. um not because i'm discerning anything or worried about you guys but i think it's just good to look after self within that because god loves you so much and he wants you to be okay in this journey mm-hmm. um, yeah. and this is um very much in the story of the life of joseph remember when he was interpreting the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer when he was in, in prison. Genesis 4, he says, when he was asking them to remember him, only remember me when he is well with you, and please do me kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and to get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrew, Hebrews, and here also I've done nothing that they should put me into a pit. Mm-hmm. Then later on, he does get forgotten, forgotten sorry, by the, by the cupbearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes on and says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and the story goes on, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and they quickly brought him. But there must have been that moment, finally, finally it's over, Mm -hmm. and a whole other year, by the way, he's forgotten. We don't read the story, we're not told about how Joseph processed disappointment. There must have been some pretty dark moments, I imagine. Joseph, and you'd have to really work through that. Uh, just I guess. And not to run to other things in that moment because I don't know if you're touching on the temptation. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Just uh, as a bit of recommendation, um, our friend Wendy Mann from the King's Arms in Bedford has done some great talks on processing disappointment. Mm-hmm. So just uh, if, if that is something, as Sarah said, um, really encouraging you to know, process it, talk with a close friend, get someone to pray for you. She's done some great talks on that um, part of her own story, so yeah, just just um, Google Wendy Mankin's Arms, Processing Disappointment, you'll get some great talks come up. So just a few other things, um, feel free just to jump in if you want to say anything. So thinking about um, how do we kind of dream big and uh, lead into what it is we feel God's called us to do as we've recruited a team to come with us and the big picture is ultimately to see God glorified in these areas that we're in, to make disciples, Uh, this is all part of the plan, Uh, but we want to take people with us on that journey and uh, we we need to, as as leaders, uh, we need to be those that help share the dreams and visions that God has placed on our hearts. It says in uh, Genesis 41, 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh, because basically Joseph had interpreted these dreams, and Pharaoh's like, wow, who is this guy? Like, what? This guy's amazing. Like, he's, he's got all this insight into how you interpret dreams. Come on, let's, let's uh, really honour this guy. It says, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh all the favourable answers. God will give Pharaoh all the favourable answers. Mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting point here that we need to help our people see what are God's favourable answers. 
what it is that he's called us to do? Yeah. What is it that God is calling us to do? Mm-hmm. What dreams is it that God has given to us? Mm-hmm. What are the answers for this city that we need to seek God on? And I've, I've found that actually it's really important to lead our team into seeking God for answers. Yeah. Seeking God, God, what are your dreams for this city? What is it that you want to do? So I guess some of the ways that we've done that, just to give you some of our journey and some, some tips almost, before we moved to Berlin, we hosted some prayer days for the church plant. So one in London, and uh, we did a, a, a Berlin brunch in The Hague, where we gathered people to share about the church plant, but also to pray, to pray together for Berlin, and to say, God, what are your answers for this city? Uh, we've, we've continued to do that even when we've got in the city. We've hosted prayer days for Berlin since we've arrived the last two Octobers, and other friends have come and joined us to seek God on what are your answers for Berlin. And even now, as we are gathering team, continuing to seek God on what his dreams are and his answers are for Berlin, we are kind of hosting at the moment just monthly times where we have vision and prayer, opportunities to pray together and to just share bits of vision and what is it that God's calling us to do in this city. So important when it comes to, to leading that we are seeking God for answers and leading our team in that direction as well. I guess just to kind of share a bit off the back of that, some of you would have heard a famous kind of Proverbs verse shared, uh, without vision that people perish, without vision that people cast off restraint. And I, I, I love this verse, I think it's really important that we lead well and that we give people vision, this is where we, we need to go. But uh, i never forget hearing um, Terry Virgo speak on this verse kind of New Frontiers prayer and fasting event where he just kind of sensitively picked up on the whole idea of how actually it's not our vision that we need to lead people into, it's God's vision. The ESV translates this verse, where there is no prophetic vision that people cast off restraint. And Terry is just highlighting how actually that Hebrew word there, prophetic vision, is actually revelation from God. And it's not my best man-made ideas for this city. It's not what I dream up is a good idea for this city, but God, what is your revelation? What are your answers for this city? And so leading our people into that and seeking God in a a way that we need his answers. We need his revelation for this city, not our man-made ideas. Um, Let me read you quite a lengthy quote, but it really kind of re-emphasizes this point. Um, You might not even be able to keep up with me here, but Andrew Wilson recently wrote a blog on his Think Theology blog where he quotes another blogger who quotes Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, I want to read you the original quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who really is, in a way, contradicting what I just said about dreaming big, but really re-emphasising the point that it's God's vision that we need. He says, God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realised by God. Sorry, that it be realised by God and by others and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he's the creator of the Christian community as if his dreams bind men together. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. 
When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going a smash. So he becomes first an accuser of the brethren, an accuser of God, and finally despairing the accuser of himself. The pastor calls, the pastor's first call is to not envision a church, but to receive one. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole idea of actually God, what's your dream, not my man-made idea. Yes. So I thought it was a really, really good challenge for us. Mm-hmm. God, what are your dreams? What are your answers? Can I just tell a story? Just a yeah, it's okay. like, okay, just yeah. very quickly. We were involved in a church plant that grew into a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we worked in that for 10 years. And um, <coughs> then um, circumstances uh, hit the church. And the church was finally closed by the apostolic team. And it was a tough time. Mm. It was a digging deep time. It was a very, very, very tough time. Mm. And I was talking to um, a leader um, that had led the church for nine of those ten years before he then handed it off to somebody else from the telephone. And he said, I've been right with guilt. You know, if I hadn't left, mm. this wouldn't have happened. And he said, I was walking down the street, and he, and he said, I was walking down the street. He's just resting this God, it's a guilty life. He he heard, audibly heard God say, So what's it to you? (laughs) And as this guy said that over the phone to me, I thought, Yeah, so so what's it to me? These were my dreams, plans, and things. And actually, and God said, Actually, look, you came and you served, and you served with a good heart, and you served well, and I love you. Mm. And what is it to you? Don't worry. And that got a release. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's really encouraging. Mm. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Yeah, well. Just got a few other quick things before we, we finish. Um, this next one, actually, I'll just touch on it briefly because I thought Paul served us so well. I just want to comment on contextualization about how um, Joseph. Uh, even though he was in a really uh, horrible situation uh, in slavery, he actually served his masters. He served the culture and the environment that he was in. Even though he was alienated and isolated, he went out of his way to, to serve God. And he, he found favour in the sight of his masters because he was serving the culture and the context that, that he was in. And it's something that we've been talking a lot with our team about. Um, how God's calling us to, to serve and to love and to bless this city so how we're best going to reach it is by being children of God by being Berliners and learning how to be a Berliner and so we've, we've kind of worked we are in the process of working hard at doing life in Berlin just getting somewhere to live finding a job learning the language and getting to know local people and, and in a way Joseph was forced into that but that's very much what he did he served the environment that, that he was in. Such an important thing. We even took a whole term as a group just to dive deeper into contextualization. I've been working hard at connecting with other um, people in the city, non-Christians, but also Christian pastors, just trying to kind of uh, come in humbly and make friendships and uh, introduce ourselves and learn uh, from these guys and say, uh, we feel God's called us to play a part, but please, can you um, teach us how do, we, how do we do life and how do we serve God in this city? It's been amazing building yeah. friendships. And we had a whole number of pastors come into our little small group and just share their stories about how they've been serving God. Some German pastors, some yeah. church planters just come in. It's just a really kind of helpful lesson of what, what we did. Um, another point is, uh, you'll, you'll know the famous story about Joseph fleeing from sin. 
uh, as he's kind of seduced uh, by Potiphar's wife. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, he does everything he can to get out of that situation. Uh, Genesis 39, 6-9 uh, says, uh, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house. I think another principle for us thinking about dreaming big, but digging deep, uh, being those that are full of faith, but also faithfulness, is to flee from sin. Mm. Is to recognise that we are in a battle. Yeah. As pioneers, as church planters, we are on the front line. And we need to be aware that we are in a battle. I've been working uh, part-time in a uh, music events cafe that turns into a bar in the evening. And so I've gone from, I did a few years, a few years as a landscaper, but then I've worked for a church for 14 years, and I've been in quite a Christian bubble, to be honest with you. And so now I've been thrown into the world, and I've, been work I've never worked in a bar, let alone working in a bar in another language, in another city, in another country. And so it's been quite a learning experience. Um, it's been quite extreme spiritually as well, to be honest. It's a, a creative place where they have people perform. And uh, so um, early on, there was one lady that was singing a song and she ded dedicated it to her witch friend uh, who had died, uh, burning herself alive. Uh, there was a kind of one evening where I was working where there were some people that had hired out the bar. Um, it was a bit of a kind of spiritualist event. It turned into a rave, but by the end of the evening, lots of people were taking clothes off and they were hugging each other. It all got a bit weird and strange. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll, I'll um, be working and there'll be a meet-up event that is based around the LGBT community and I'll just be serving people that, you know, a, a transgender that's very much the culture and the environment of Berlin. Um, or I might be cycling home late at night and there'll be extreme poverty or, yeah. um, or kind of uh, gang culture and, and uh, it's, it's a bit of a rougher borough in Berlin where the bar is but the point being it's, it's spiritually been quite an extreme environment for me yeah. and I've, I've had to really put on the armour of God yeah. I've had to really be intentional about fleeing uh, sin fleeing areas of temptation and thinking no this is frontline stuff yeah. um, I found one thing particularly helpful and that's praying in tongues in this, in this environment. Uh, not being able to necessarily speak the language or even understand what in the earth is going on here, but knowing that the Spirit is with me. Yeah. And that actually uh, it's, it's good to be able to feed myself in that way. And one thing to add... Go for it. Um, one thing to add to the fleeing from sin is it's often subtle as well. Like it, we often think of like porn or uh, running away with a prostitute or that kind of stuff. Um, but I think um, it can be subtle as well. Um, for me, it <laughs> sounds very silly, but it's often Netflix and escapism and like um, Instagram or something that I just have to not think about the reality of what I'm going through. So I do want to encourage you as well to when you do fasting, maybe don't do food, for, like obviously do whatever God's telling you to fast. But sometimes it's good to fast the thing that you run to when stuff gets stressful, whether that is sort of finding your happiness in like just switching off and watching that movie or like we sometimes like to numb our minds I think in this day and age because we're so overstimulated and I would often just kind of 
uh, binge watch something, which I think is probably just as simple as watching porn. Just putting that out there. When you're using that as a substitute, not saying Netflix, because I love Netflix, obviously, I wouldn't say that. But I think we often make it about the bad sin that is the sort of um, where all goes, you know, that was the tip. And we hear about pastors falling and, and, and couples breaking up, but that's actually the, the lead, the sort of, um, what am I trying to say? You know, the like tipping point was the word in English. And it all comes yeah. the last bit on top. So, so I think be aware of the subtlety of how sometimes the devil prowls around like a mm. lion, like how where he's getting at you, and I sometimes don't even notice it. So it's good to pray, Jesus, where am I right now? Using escapism, um, whatever that looks like. I hope you understood what I was trying to say there. A couple of really quick things to finish with then. Uh, another one that I've found really helpful in wanting to be full of faith but um, rely on the faithfulness of God is to um, get help, yeah. uh, be accountable, be teachable, get support. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph, it may have been better for him to have gone to his father first before he went to his brothers to share some of the dreams that God had given him mm-hmm. um, and, and it may have been wiser to get some other counsel uh, in mm-hmm. his life. Uh, and um, I've just found that uh, guys on our team that um, I relate to, to Chris Taylor and Hank Kirsten, they've been a huge source for me of faith and faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So I'll Skype with them, I'll phone call them, and uh, pretty much every time, because they, they love me and I love them, I, I come away re-energised, mm-hmm. full of faith, and relying again on the faithfulness of God. And so for you and your situation, I'd encourage you to get good people around you that are supporting you, that you're accountable to, that are feeding into you, and that can help you. And I guess the final one, just before um, I'll finish and just see if there's any questions and we can maybe pray. Um, Final one is, I would say, uh, drink from the well, I've put here, feed your soul. And so we talked a bit about groundworks and digging deep. And I love how in Colossians 2, Paul talks about how we need to be rooted and built up uh, in the gospel. And uh, how we need to dig deep, uh, primarily, into our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in the midst of all of the trials that Joseph would have gone through, um, he, he was given this name. Uh, there was this said of him, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? There was something about Joseph that the Spirit of God was on him. And uh, if, if we want to continue to, to grow and, and be pioneers, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to grow in the Spirit. We need to feed ourselves on the manna from heaven, on the bread of life, Jesus. We need to drink deep from the well that never runs dry, on the Spirit. Yeah. And we need to really fuel ourselves in God. Worship. Um, Are you touching worship? No, go for it. That's, that's not really a big point, just worshipping. Just turn on a worship song, get on your knees and sing. Again, that really cuts through some of that battle, oppressive stuff as well. Um, that's really it, I think. Just get singing truth. Uh, sing over yourself, sing over your houses, pray over your rooms in your house. Like, when we move to new places, we'll just go... Holy Spirit, fill this room. You don't ever know what was there before. And I don't like to super spiritualize and look for scary things, but the reality is we do live in a um, spiritual world. And yeah, I think just worship, use worship in whatever form to cut through that and to cover you and protect you. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so um, I think just in conclusion, really, that the life of Joseph really helps us see an example of someone that was full of faith, was a called as a leader, 
um, and, and yet someone who also really relied on the faithfulness of God in the midst of his, his kind of dark years of being isolated and by himself. And I think there's some great principles there for us uh, within our now and not yet. It's like we've got these big dreams, but we're not yet there when it comes to our kind of church planting adventures or the, whatever the pioneering setting and context it is that you guys are in. And there's some great lessons here that we can learn in the life of Joseph that we've found super helpful. I think it, one of the obvious things, just to kind of point out, which um, uh, has been touched on in different ways over this conference, you know, when it, when it comes to um, what is it that we're trying to do as Christians, really we're not looking for success as the world would see it. Often it can be tough as a church planter, particularly if you're doing a pioneering situation. Often you're put on the platform quite a lot and you're prayed for, which the more prayer the better, like the more profile the better. We, there's many millions of people in Berlin that want to reach with the gospel. But uh, we've got to be really careful of actually our, our kind of instant society that is looking for a certain model of success. That's just not God's way. God, you know, what does success look like in the Bible? But it's faithfulness and obedience. Mm-hmm. It's not numbers, it's not this big thing or that big thing. And I think uh, Joseph really just models that in his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. But also he has, he has some dreams as well. So, um, yeah, I hope some of that has served you um, well uh, in your stage. Uh, has anyone got any kind of quick questions? And then we will just pray for you. maybe even challenges that you're facing right now? I just wonder, so when you showed earlier about how the faith presented it, in terms of the calling to, to, to go, was it, are you saying it was a you read the habit and then you kind of caught up? Or, or was it something you both were kind of feeling? How did you cut out? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, do you want to ask? Um, it was a very much a mutual calling, however, Pete seemed to have way more, funnily enough, I'm the German, he had way more confirmation and certainty about the Berlin Germany thing. So I needed, I said to God at the time, I need to hear from you for myself. It was the same when he became an elder because um, I said, like, God, you need to speak to me as well. It can't just because, well, there is also couples who are very happy to go with that, and I don't think that's unbiblical. I think that submission, you know, and like we follow, but it depends on your personality, but I think I needed to hear from God for myself, because, and I do think that's really important, because if then, from his road, it could be the other way around too, it could be that the wife hears, and the husband needs to follow that, it's not like a male-female thing as such, but I needed to hear from God for myself that he was calling me to Berlin, there was a great time when his nephew came over, and um, he just got a map out of Berlin and he was looking at all the places and he didn't know at the time that we were praying about this and God always speaks to me through young people and children a lot or like natural situations and it was just like oh okay you are calling me to Berlin to franchise and then there was another one where a lovely boy with um, he's autistic in our church he, he's super prophetic like and sharp and then he came and he said oh hey guys I've been recently thinking about church planting in Germany I think Germany's really on God's heart and it's like boom <laughs> okay I get it God and, but it was also, it was just important we, Pete also said you need to hear from God as well because I'm not going to go if this is just me pulling you along because that would be really hard work for Pete <laughs> to like drag his wife along and, and then I owned the call much more so the resentment was probably a little bit 
about that, that year being an internship where I was a bit, for different reasons, more unhappy than he was because sure. of how our gift mixes were being furthered sure. and I felt quite like the spare part. So that was not so much about the core of yeah, going yeah. to Berlin. The process is the yeah. important bit. Yeah. And actually, Sarah's an incredible leader as well. And God's put lots of big, big dreams and visions on her heart. Mm -hmm. And I actually felt like God you know, speak to me that actually um, we are to operate as a couple, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, but actually to, to honour and encourage her dreams as well. And so collectively, we have big dreams. It involves church planting, it involves the music industry, it involves caring for, for young people. And um, it's not to say that one trumps the other. Yeah. We've recognised that there's seasons in life and that we have a certain amount of capacity as human beings. Mm -hmm. And that actually to try and get all of those dreams all at once. Yeah, it's not wise. <laughs> yeah, yes. it, it probably wouldn't be wise. But that's, that's not to say that actually there'll be a season in our life. So we fostered a young girl for a while. Um, it wouldn't be wise to do that now. No. But actually maybe later on when we're retired or you know, have less demands that might be another good opportunity for us to do that later on so we've had to work out our dreams together uh, what, are our, what is our mutual call and I think that's just some of the process you know. and I mainly shared that as well just to open the conversation as well like if there is stuff like that have the conversation don't let it grow to bitterness she wants to say something carry on <laughs> she's hungry yeah it's fine Church, you're building your church. Mm -hmm. God, would you be glorified? Yeah. 
Mm. And through our lives. And I do pray, particularly if there's someone who is in, in the midst of what has felt like a really long waiting season. Yeah, Again, I pray fresh faith for that. Mm. Would they be able to just lean into you mm. this time? Mm. Rely on your faithfulness, your goodness, and your love, and your grace, yes, and your mercy. Yes. We love you, King Jesus. Yes. Mm.